Rossi Bande Kutelia
je fatigue dans le sens que nous double de dire ça membre fatigue 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 dire ça genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4 i'll read it says this in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth it and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep it says and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters and god said let there be light and there was light and god saw the light that it was good right and God realized that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness so you see in the beginning you realize that there was nothing absolutely nothing nothing but darkness in fact as a matter of fact when you come to some argument philosophical argument you come to the place where you realize that darkness in itself is not a thing darkness is an absence of light so darkness in itself is not an entity darkness is actually a state darkness is a state or an event in which light is absent so when bible says that in the beginning you know when it says that the world was without form and void it wasn't just that there were things present but then you know we could not find them it was that there was absolutely nothing you could call that state of the world being form and void as a state of utter disorderliness there was nothing absolutely nothing now out of nothing god called forth light now you would not understand the gravity of that statement until you first of all realize the fact that there was nothing that could have brought forth light there was nothing that could have served as a fuel to bring forth light it was basically bringing forth something out of total nothingness you know there is a theological argument for the existence of the world you know and one of the basic arguments to understand or you know a theological argument to basically understand how that god exists is that nothing comes from nothing and not nothing comes from nothing by nothing so if there is a, if there is something there must be a cause do you understand there must be something so even when you say the big bang the big bang came to be as a living of something and if you therefore say that there was something before the big bang then you would say that the big bang cannot be the beginning of creation that's another fiction in apologetics some other time we'll get into that so but the point basically is this there was nothing before the point of creation and then out of nothing something came forth you need to first realize this that in the middle of nothing god saw the ability for something to come forth that's the first thing you know what it means to see nothingness and out of nothingness you bring there is a possibility in your mind your mind can absorb that reality that within this nothingness will light come forth that's a miracle on its own it's a miracle to see this otherliness particularly when order has never existed before pay attention all that there was before the creation was god now in a state where all there is is the otherliness in a state where all there is is darkness the absence of light where all there is is nothingness the ability to see the possibility of order there alone is a miracle the ability to see that order is possible within this state of the otherliness is first of all a miracle now the ability to believe that all that can, you know is one thing to to believe that is a possibility is another thing to see it as possible enough to elicit an action in it that's another thing so not just did god see a possibility of 
order out of this other unit. The possibility was enough to produce an activity through him, was enough to produce an expression through him. And what was that expression? Let there be light. And light came forth. And light came forth. So the first expression that we see through God is an expression of faith. And I'm going to explain that bit. It's an expression of faith, actually. The first expression you will see and find through God is an expression of faith by which you would see something that does not look like it and you would call forth another possibility, another reality out of nothingness. Meaning everything currently available does not seem like it. Yet, out of it, I call forth something else, a totally different reality. And I believe, I expect it to be. I'm not calling it forth like I'm just putting it out in the air. No, I am calling it forth like I expect something else to come out of something else. That's basically all we see in God. A state of calling forth life out of nothingness. Therefore, we can say that the first expression we see of God is an expression of faith. Expression of faith. You see, after the sin of man in Genesis chapter 3, look at what Romans 5 says. Romans chapter 5, from verse 12. Man doth fear the root of vulnerability as to stephanodosis. Romans chapter 5, from verse 12. Shabbat Romans 5 from verse 12. He says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. He says, And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. He says, For until the law sin was in the world. He says, But sin is not imputed when there is no law. He says, Nevertheless, death away from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's translation, who is the figure of him that was to come? So, one thing we see from Adam's sin is that sin came into the world, and not just sin, death also came. And I've explained this to you guys, how that the world here won't just refer to the earth. It refers primarily to the system of affairs of men. How that sin came into the system of affairs of men alongside death. Alongside death. So it's beyond just that sin was in men, or that men were affected by sin. In the affairs of men one to another, in the systems of the world, the systems, the rule, the authority, the dominion, system of government of the world, Sin and death has come to occupy. And that's why I say to you how that the devil doesn't need to be after you for bad things to happen to you. The world or the system of the world is affected such that bad things will happen consistently. The devil doesn't need to be interested in your family for you, for you to experience a loss. That's the honest truth. Based on the way the world is, the, the, the thieves, as a leading of the fall of man, who overflow their back. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Still explaining that. Romans chapter 8. And verse, I'll start from verse 20. From verse 19, sorry, Romans chapter 8, from verse 19. <clears throat> it says, it says, uh, Romans 8 and verse 19. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creature, it says, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. It now says in verse 2, for the creature was made subject to vanity. Creature there in other versions, particularly the NIV, you see creation. It says, for the creature, was made subject to vanity. He says, not willingly. So, the, so creation was made subject to vanity, but not willingly. He says, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. So, the creation was made subject unto vanity, not because they wanted to, but as a reason of him who, man, Adam, who had sinned from the beginning. It was as a reason of that that creation was made subject to vanity. Now, look at what he says thereafter. He says, 
not willingly, but the reason of him was to make say no. He says, because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. So we see that when man sinned, not only was you know man affected, animals were affected too. Plants were affected, the trees were affected too. Seas began to overflow their banks. You know, you know, we began to have things like earthquakes, landslides, etc. etc. These things were not initially in the plan. Those things came about as a reason of the sin of man. Now, let me go to my point. My point basically is this. In this utter state of helplessness and destruction, where all that was in the world was affected with sin and death, God speaks what the prophecy. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Go there. I know you know it, but go there. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Matthew 3. Versus the sin of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. This is God's response to seeing that everything on the earth had been affected. So, literally, there was nothing. You need to understand how terrible this situation was. There was literally nothing because you could have said, Oh, well, if man is affected, at least the earth and everything about the earth is not affected. It's only man and animals are not affected. And then maybe all they have to do is they have to maybe eat of a particular kind of tree and then it will help them, etc, etc. No, every single thing was affected. Even the systems of rule were affected as well. Every single thing on the earth was affected. You need to understand how bad things were. So, Genesis 3 and verse 18, God now says this. He says that, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. Now, I've explained this to you guys, how that when God said the seed of the woman, I explained how that the word seed is the Hebrew word sperma. And every time when it was used in the Old Testament, it was actually used as the seed of a man. Why? Because it actually refers to the, the it, it refers primarily to the semen of a man, right? Where you have the sperm cells, basically. You know, those are the things that fertilize a woman's womb so you can have a child. So it, it, it is, so when, the the prophecy came forth and said the seed of the woman it wasn't just a mistake it was to show something actually that this would be devoid of another man's involvement this would be something so it was basically to connote the virgin birth basically to connote the virgin birth and then interestingly god starts saying i will put enmity so meaning this is something that is only going to be by my intervention by my intervention so what we see therefore in God's involvement in saving man from sin, first of all, we see that it is solely by himself. That's the start of it. It is solely by himself. That's why it says, I will put enmity, first of all. So it is an activity that is going to be kickstarted by me alone, that is going to involve me alone, that would not involve man, that would not involve the involvement of another, that would not involve the activity of another. It is only going to be by my involvement. That's Number two is that it is going to be a virgin birth. So, in fact, the woman will not be involved. All the woman will be so carry. It's not even like as well. It's a, you know, it is something that you need to realize as well. It wasn't that, you know, God fertilized. God did not put any sperm there. God is not a man. No, 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 no. That's something you need to realize. So, it's not like God, you know, dropped his sperm into Mary's womb. No, there was no fertilization that went on there. That, that was, the only point was so that he could be born as a man. That was why you have to be in the stomach of a woman. 
to show that he was born as a man. So what we see in God's involvement is that it in God's involvement basically is that it proceeds from him and in the name. And last but not least, therefore, we see another expression of faith. We see another expression of faith. Therefore, we can say this. We can say that God's interaction with man will only be upon the basis of faith. God's interaction, God's activity, God's involvement within the sphere of man's influence will only be via the vehicle of faith. That and nothing alone. Only by the spirit of faith. Only by the spirit of faith. So, what is faith? Therefore, now you need to understand. Now, God sees, just like at the beginning of creation, again, God sees a state of total depravity, where all that there is is sin and death in the entirety of mankind. And then God sees the possibility of salvation coming forth and it speaks of the prophecy. Hi, you need to understand. Everything that was there had no sense of goodness. Literally, everything was bad. Every single thing was bad. And within all of that, God still saw the possibility of something great happening. God saw the possibility of salvation and he spoke a prophecy immediately. By that prophecy, he had already put himself under a seal, under a bind. Because you know, this is God speaking. God's word cannot come back from him void. So if he had spoken that prophecy, it means it was going to happen. So God put himself under a covenant that this will happen. Yet all that there was on the earth was sin and death. All that there was on the earth was sin and death. Therefore, you can say this, eh? That faith, and I, you most likely have heard of this before, but look, listen to this. Faith is saying something entirely different, but holding on to a particular reality. That is it. You must have heard it before, but I'm telling you again. Faith is this. Faith is not people, you know, faith is not that it looks like it. <laughs> That's not faith. It could look like it, like it could look like it, and then, you know, you're walking towards it, no problem. That would be faith. But you see, at the very core of faith is this, is that whether whatever the reality looks like, whatever it looks like in the natural, this is what it is. That is it. That's faith. Faith is speaking it despite reality around. Of course, faith is not foolishness, but that is faith. Faith is choosing to stand on a particular reality, devoid of whatever natural reality says. That is faith. That is faith. You see, as I've said before, God's interaction with man would always proceed from the arena of faith. Always proceed from the arena of faith. You see, in comparison with the patriarchs of old, in comparison with the patriarchs of old, you see, the difference actually, and this is something that I need to say because um, I've heard a lot of folks, particularly even in our circle, what folks speak about it. You see, the only difference actually between the faith that we have and the faith of the patriarchs of old is that the faith that we have has been conjugated. And the faith that they have was a promise. As I want to show you very soon, the difference was not even necessarily what we believed in. No. Actually, look at, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Or let's start from verse 12. Let's start from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, and from verse 1. Man, Christ, Kephenombria, Tevino, Pagadigo, Sosusta, Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are confused about a so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, this is coming from Hebrews 11. We are talking about the patriarchs of faith in Hebrews 11. So it goes to Hebrews 12 and says, Wherefore, seeing we also are confused about a so great a cloud of witnesses. It says, Let us be aside every way, and every way, sorry, and the same which, which doth so easily beset us. It says, Let us run 
with patience the race that he said because it is looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of faith. I remember in our last um, meeting, I explained the word author. It's actually the Greek word Achigos. Achigos means one that starts up something. The author. He says Jesus is the author and the finisher. Now, finisher is where I'm going to you know, put in some explanation. Now, the word finisher there is the Greek word teleotis. It basically means the one that perfects something, that completes something, the perfecter. You know, um, in our explanations to the word perfection, we have come across teleotis. If you paid enough attention to it. So it means one that consummates something, one that finishes something. So the faith, now this is where it makes a lot of sense. The faith of the patriarchs of old is what they had. Do you understand? They looked at it in a promise. However, in Christ, it is consummated. Hence, what we have now, really, the faith we have now, really, is actually the same as the faith of old. The only difference is this they look to a promise we have today. What that promise fulfilled. Not necessarily that the faith is different, only that the faith has been consummated in that Jesus is has died, was has been buried, and has risen again from death. Satan is right out of the Father, being an eternal sacrifice for us. That's just the only difference. However, what we have as faith is the same. What we have as faith is the same. And I have something I'm driving towards here, and it's going to make sense very soon. You see, and so, you know, that's why you see Hebrews 11 from verse 39, Hebrews 11 39. He says, he says that, um, and this all, having spoken about the patriarchs of faith, he says, and this all, having obtained a good report from faith, he says, received not the promise. So they received a good report from faith, yet they did not receive the promise. Why? He says, God having provided some better things to us, that they without source should not be made perfect. So in other words, even though they had faith, they were not perfected. Why? Because Jesus Christ had not died. So we have today a perfection of faith, not because our faith is necessarily greater, not because our faith is necessarily better, but that our faith has been consummated. They believed in something that was to come. We believe in something that had happened. However, it is still both believing. It is still faith. It is still faith. Now, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Let's do a brief commentary of Hebrews 11. Very brief commentary of Hebrews 11 verse 1. I'm reading from KJB. It says, now faith is the substance of things of You know, there is a way we can be inclined to bridge through verses and we forget the major things there. You know, we don't pay attention to the understanding of those things. So it starts from this. It says, now faith is the substance of things of Now, the word substance there is the Greek word upostasis. H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. Now, the word upostasis, now, upostasis basically is from two Greek words. One word, hupo, and then the second word, istemi, H-I-S-T-E-M-I. Hupo and istemi. Now, hupo means upon or on, right? Hupo means upon or on. Why istemi? Pay attention now. Istemi means to stand or to bind together. To stand or to bind together. And then, upostasis refers to a standing upon, a firm foundation. So, upostasis refers to, in fact, the way Bible uses it, upostasis is used as confidence. Every place, almost every place in the Bible, you know, I think it was used about five times in the Bible. Of the five times, the four places it was used, it was used for confidence. Confidence, actually, confidence. So, in fact, in the NIV, you see that now faith is the confidence of things before. So, it is confidence. 
let me start from there, confidence. Now, next thing it says the evidence of things not seen. So, it is first of all the confidence of the things that are hoped for. Now, pay attention, this was referring to the faith of the patriarchs because they hoped for something, right? He now says the evidence of things not seen. Now, the word evidence, evidence there is the Greek word elekos, E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S. It means proof. Elekos, it means proof. So, it says faith is the proof of things not seen. Now, this is what people don't pay attention to. Faith is both a confidence and a proof. Now, look at what it says in verse 2. Verse 2 now says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. So, the elders obtained a good report by faith. By their faith. Now, their faith was both two things. Their faith was a confidence in what would happen. And as well, their faith was an evidence of what they believed in. So, some sorts of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Meaning, we cannot see but we see the things we do, and those things are faith. You need to understand. Faith is not, you know, we, we oftentimes call the things they did acts of faith, which has some semblance of truth in it. True, they were acts of faith. But the reality of it is this. Hebrews 11 states that the things they did were not just acts of faith, they were faith in itself. And you see, there is a clear distinction. No? This, this is not me just trying to do, um, you know, trying to, Puts a physical way a physical. No, no, no. There is an ex- there is a clear distinction there that faith in itself is expression is expressive. So it's not faith and then an act of faith following. It is that according to Hebrews eleven, what made us know that they had faith itself was the things they did. By the things they did, we said, ah, this is faith. So it was beyond just an expression of faith. It was that the things they did in itself was the justification of faith. And this is extreme, and that's why it says that for by it the elders of faith good before faith is both the confidence and then the proof. So the confidence is faith. That's the inner thing, first of all. You don't you can't say confidence, but then the expression in itself as well as well is faith. So it's not that the confidence is there and then the expression later. No, the confidence and the expression are together. If there is a confidence, there's an expression. If there is a confidence, there's an expression. In other words. You cannot claim to have faith and something doesn't happen. This was the whole point of James. When James was, you know, although the expression that James used context, where James said that, that faith without works is dead. The reality of it is this: you cannot have faith that doesn't have works. Even what you have is faith that you claim works for. It's not simple. So if you if you claim you have faith, but there are no works here now, pay attention. It is in this context. If you claim you have faith and there are no works, you don't have faith because if it works, is that simple? Faith is both the confidence and it's the proof. Faith is both the confidence and the evidence. The activity you do yourself is faith. It's faith. And so you now begin to see, you know, people that he speaks about, you know, and um, on and on, he speaks about, you know, uh, ah, Hebrews 11 verse 3. I'm not going to explain that today. In our exhaustive study of faith, I'm going to talk about that. But let's just move from there. And so he now begins to talk about, uh, talk about patriarchs of old. He then mentions, you know, Abel. The sacrifice of Abel, you know, after um, Abel's sacrifice, he speaks about Enoch being taken away. He speaks about the building of Noah. You know, he, he speaks about Abraham's promise, right, and the child. You know, um, 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 you know, so on and so forth like that. This therefore leads you to a particular understanding that outside faith there is no interaction with God. The only interaction a man has, because at the end of the day, you realize that all of these are basically this is just basically a summary of the interactions of God with man in the Old Testament. It therefore brings you to the point where you realize this. Every of God's interaction with man was in the arena of faith. 
every of God's interaction with man. Man can, can never. And this is something that you need to realize. Let me know. You can never operate on God's level as I say. If you would ever get to the point, as I'm going to show you very soon, where whatever it is on your mind can be done outside the arena of faith, it is not an interaction with God. Any interaction or transaction by the Spirit of God that would happen via the power and the Spirit of God would always be in the arena of faith. In other words, it won't necessarily make sense to the mind of man. You need to pay attention to this. It will change your life. That everything, eh? No, you know, this is the you know, some things will be before you, and they seem like as though they are too big for your mind to gain. It is normal. That's expected. It is expected because God Himself expects you to challenge those things from the arena of faith. That's the whole point of it. So it's not, it's not, it's not if there is anything that comes before you and you can challenge it outside faith, such that if there is no faith there, you can still see it come to happen. Nah, that's not good. It's not good. If it is God, eh? It will take faith to make it happen. Because as we have seen so far, everything that will be done through God, every transaction that a man is going to be involved in by the Spirit of God with God is going to happen within the arena of faith. 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 Within the arena of faith. Now let's bring it home a little. You know, let's bring it home a little. Let's talk about it concerning the believer in Christ Jesus. Let's bring it home a little. You know, the gospel is a gospel of faith. In fact, it is called the word of faith. You know, Paul speaking in Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> from verse 8. Let's go there. Romans chapter 10. From Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> and from verse 8. It says, but what saith it? It says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith you should preach. Right, and then I've explained to you guys how that when he says the word of faith, it will mean two things. Word of faith could either mean a word that provides faith to the hearer, as we see in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Right? So um, um faith is by hearing the word of God. By you hearing the word, faith is released for you to receive the word. Now it could mean that it could also mean the fact that the word is received by faith. That's a different thing. There's one, it's one thing to say that the word produces faith. He gives faith to the hearer by which they can receive it. And it's another thing to say that the word can only be received by faith. That's also another question. Both of them are actually correct in this context, interestingly. So he calls it the word of faith which we preach. And why is it called the word of faith? He says, if you will believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, he says, confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So salvation is only brought into play by you believing you didn't do anything to be saved you believe and you confess now you know it's interesting how that even for a man who is caught knee deep in sin and this is the power of salvation you know the power of the spirit are working on so that a man can be knee deep in sins and addictions and by him believing a concept is he is free of that addiction he becomes free of those things you need to understand how powerful it is that you know this i mean these addictions are things that you are doing physically you understand me? You, you, are, you know, probably you are, you are given to maybe fornication, you are given to, say, um, masturbation, etc., etc., you know, um, all manner of drugs, and so on and so forth. And then you come to a point where you agree that by me believing in the fact that somebody died for me some years ago, I can come to the point where I am free from all of this, from all of this physical. You just understand how, how crazy this is. 
you are you want to basically counter physical action with a concept within your mind. How be it a spiritual concept? But still, it is a concept within the mind. How that you have a battle you want to face with the things that you are doing. You are in a battle ring with you know addictions, sins, etc., etc. And your strategy to these things is from the mind. It's not ordinary. You need to understand it. So the very birthing of a believer is via faith. That's my point. The very birthing, the way you came into the fold of salvation, the fold of believers, eh, is via faith. That's what brought you there. That's what brought you there. It's via faith. And you see, in salvation, and, and so, you know, um, okay, I've explained Romans 10 on this night. And so you see that in salvation, right, you even have a hope. A hope. You know, we have a hope that, you know, one day uh, we will be joined together with Jesus in heaven. You know, it's crazy. You need to realize how crazy. That's the reason why sometimes it's understandable that some people will look at us like we don't have sense. It's understandable. So I, I just believe something. Just think about it. Forget the fact that, just try to suspend in your mind the fact that you're a believer shortly. And just think about the fact that at some point in your life, you decided to believe that Jesus Christ died for me, was buried and rose again, right? A man I've never seen before, a man I've never met before, a man I've never spoken to before. I really don't know what he looks like. I don't know his height. I don't know the kind of clothes he likes to wear. I don't know his color. I don't know the color of his hair, etc., etc. I don't know, you know, if he was bald or if he wasn't bald. I don't know all of those things. But I know that a man came around and died for me. And because of that, I'm free from sin. Listen, even if, even if history can make you see how that Jesus died and really did, right? Even though there are enough historical proofs to make you see that Jesus died and really did, listen, it is by the spirit that you can agree that what he did was for you. That's faith. You know, see, history, and this is something that we need to realize, history and apologetics can only bring you to the door. You enter the door by faith. That's the simple thing. I can use history and apologetics the best. I can use the best of arguments to show you that Jesus actually came in the flesh and give you enough arguments to show you that Jesus rose from the dead. There are enough historical proof for that. But you see, the point where you can come to the, you know, the place where you can get it for you to agree eh, that what he did, he did it for me. And as a reason of that, I am free from sin. It is the arena of faith. I'm trying to make you see that what faith can do, nothing else can. That's what I'm trying to make you see. That when it gets to faith, there is nothing else that can do. If something else can do, it is not faith. You've not got into the arena of faith. In the very arena of faith, all of mass personal truths eh, come to nothing. They come to vanity. When you are there, you get to the point where you realize that in myself, there is nothing I can do there. That's the arena of faith. And such is salvation. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Man, Corinthians 5. I'm going to read from verse 1. 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 1. He says that for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, he says we have a building of God. He says an house not made with hands. He says for we know. Like, Paul, how do you know? You know, there's, there's this amount of confidence that he speaks with. He says for we know. You know, he's saying it like we are sure. You guys know now. You know, for we know now. Like, is it is it is a thing that's commonplace to work? Paul, have you seen this thing before? Have you who told you about it? Have you even met someone that was there that came to come and meet you and told you that this and this and this is happening there? No, he just says, For we know. We know, we are sure of it. He says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, he says we have a building of God. He says a house not made with hands. 
He says eternal in the heaven. He says, for in this we grow. He says, earnestly desiring to be quoted with our outreaches. Do you know how crazy it is that I am looking, I am looking to expect something that I've not seen before? You need to, you need to understand how you need to understand how how odd this thing is. You've never met anybody that came from there. Even Jesus, Paul never met Jesus when he was in the flesh. Never. All he knew about Jesus were things that people told him about Jesus. And Paul is at the point where not only does he believe that something like that exists, he is expecting it. You need to pay attention. So, you know, there is a point where some of us, maybe for example, someone promises you a car, right? A car. Now, it makes a lot of sense if someone has promised someone else, that kind of, that person has promised someone else a car before, and then you see the person do it. You know, that gives you some confidence that, okay, I've seen this person drive this particular kind of car, so I trust him. But you have to understand that when you find someone who you don't even know what his bank account looks like, you've just, really, you've just heard about, you know, how much money he has, and then that person promises you a Maserati. Now, you need to understand where you are coming from. You've not seen this person buy anybody a car before. You've heard that he has got two cars before, but you've not seen it. So, and this person now promises you a Maserati. Now, you not only now hope, you know, you're not only um, now waiting for the Maserati. You are telling people that I have a Maserati. <laughs> Those are two different things. So it's not just that I'm expecting it all. Let's hope it happens. Let's hope it does it. No, it is, I know it is going to happen. So it began to talk to people like, and you say, ah, well, I might be checking for now, you know, but just give me a while. I will soon be hoping in my maturity. And you're not saying it, you are saying it because you are sure, you know. And even for the you ask a babe out on a date, and you're like, ah, uh, let's make it two weeks' time, you know, by then, you know, because you want to shock her with the, with the ride that I'm going to give her. So you say, let's give it two weeks' time, because by then, you know, I'll, you know, we'll go out on the date, you know, in my maturity, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and you talk like that. You need to understand. It's, it's, it's out of the normal. It's beyond here. A natural mind cannot conceive it. And so that's how Paul is speaking here. And look at what he says. He says, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. He says, for we that are in this tabernacle who do grow. And he was talking about this earthly body. He says, do grow, being body. He says, not for that we would be unclothed. He says, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. He says, now he that lost the self-same thing, that lost, um, he that lost us the for the same same thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of His Spirit. See how Paul is speaking of things as though he has seen them. He has not seen the Spirit before, but he's sure that he's there with him. Now, let's continue. He says, therefore, we are always confident. He says, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. How could you say you are absent from the Lord? Were you with the Lord before? Have you seen the Lord with your face? Yes, you saw him with a vision. Whoever the person that saw a vision, John the Baptist saw a vision, and yet, sometime after, he has to come to us. He says, are you the Christ or should we expect another? That's enough proof for you to let you see that. See, at the end of the day, when it comes to man's transaction with God, it is going to be in the arena of faith. Because even for men that had visions, they came to a point where natural encounters made them question visions. So, at the, you know, this is one of the reasons why, you know, you need to, don't be fascinated with visions. Some of us think that we will be sure that God has called us when, you know, suddenly your room turns bright. And then Jesus walks in, into your room. And then he begins to tell you things. He begins to tell you things and tell you things. Listen to me. Listen. While that can be beautiful, let me tell you. Even if you have that encounter for three days non-stop, I'm telling you, life's travails and struggles, the opinions of men, eh, the struggles of the world will get you to a point where you question the things you saw. 
You know, it won't be it, it, this one is not that somebody else told you, you saw it by yourself. Explain to me what else did John the Baptist need to see? I mean, you saw a vision clearly, you saw the spirit of God descend upon this one. You knew, and in fact, you are the one that announced before Jesus came, you already spoke about it. The moment he saw Jesus, he said this when Jesus entered into the water, a vision happened, and then he saw, you know, the dove descend, he saw, you know, he saw the spirit like a dove descending upon him. What other kind of vision does the man need to see? Yes, the same man asks after some time. He says, Are you the Christ or should we expect another? Listen, vision cannot be your validation. It is always going to be something within. It drives on the point. Any transaction a man is going to do with God is within the arena of faith. Is that simple? There is absolutely no. No activity that is involving God that will be outside the arena of faith. It can never be with man. It can never be with the mind, with the ordinary mind. Never. It's always going to be in the arena of faith. Is that simple? That simple, right? And so you see him in talk here, and then he says, here we can start going to chapter five. He says, um, for in verse um six, he says, But therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are told in the body, he says we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith. And not by sight. So the Christian birth is in faith, is by faith. And then the Christian walk is in faith as well. So you got saved by faith. You continue to live the life by faith. You continue to live the life by faith. You see, you even acknowledge that the spirit is in you via faith. That's how you acknowledge it. Look at first chapter one and verse eight. First Peter chapter one and verse eight. First Peter chapter one and verse eight. Look at what it says. It says, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not, he has been living. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So you do not see him, but you rejoice. He said, rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. You do not see him, yet you rejoice. You know, fascinating you've not met him before you've not seen what he looks like you've not heard him talk to you before you know he's able, one of the things to realize is that the way god also uses says you talk to the other person so it's not like ah uh, i think that's good so i know what his voice sounds like that's what it. so there is nothing of a physical you know there's nothing of a physical attributes that you can use to um that can use to hold on to your relationship with him all is spiritual by the spirit of god Every single thing by the spirit. You don't see him, yet you believe him and you rejoice. Yet you rejoice. You know, just this week, this last week, we had news about folks who were killed for the gospel. Do you understand what it means to die for something that you have never ah, yeah, yeah. You you are ready to die for something you've never seen before, but it is real to you. That's faith. That's faith. You've not seen him, yet you rejoice. Rejoice unspeakable, full of glory. You've not seen him, you've not heard him back so, but you just believe that he exists, that he is true. That's the arena of faith. That's the, and that is the arena of the believer. What I'm trying to make you do basically, what I'm trying to do to you today is to let, first of all, let go of all the differences in your mind. You know, let you see that everything that involves a man's interaction with God is purely by the spirit and, and their faith. Forget all this. See, in as much as it is good for us, you know, to study the Bible scholarly. Also, the intellectual in our understanding of certain topics in scriptures. You know, we go through scriptures and you know we are exhaustive in our Bible study, etc. etc. Listen, for you to walk in it is by is by faith. Listen, you can know the Greek and the Hebrew word for laying hands on the sick and they recover. At the end of the day, when you get there 
and you put your hands there, his faith is going to make them heal. It's that simple. So you can know all the Hebrew and the Greek and try to convince people, etc., etc. Try to make them know that you know uh, 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 the Greek word for this is this, the Hebrew word for this is this. But when it gets to the point, eh, when you put your hands upon the sick and the sick needs to be healed, is by faith. So there's a place for intellect in trying to understand, etc., etc. But when it comes to the point of doing transactions with divinity, when it comes to the point of doing things by God, activities inspired by the Spirit, it is within the arena of faith. Within the arena of faith, and that's what I'm trying to make you Look at what Jesus said, you know, to Thomas in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Man, Rapila, Pelatios, Pagido, Pronosto, Men, the Flavio, Tabragada, the Gabalati, the Buddha, the Gabalata. John chapter 20. Ah, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. John 20 and verse, I'm going to start from verse, uh, from verse 24. From verse 24. He says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. He says, Then all the disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall you know, see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, he says, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were with him, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus. The dog being shot and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said unto Thomas, Reach either thy finger and behold my hand, and reach either thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Now look at what happened. He says, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. So you know, Thomas gets that point and says, Oh my God, my Lord and my God. You know, and then Jesus said unto him, He says, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. He says, Blessed are they. That have not seen and yet believe. So at the core of it, God would rather have your interaction with Him by faith than being intellectual. You know, why it might be beautiful, you know, to see what the glory of His Majesty looks like, you know, to see Him dressed in white, etc., etc. You know, you see His sandals and His garment, you know, flowing, etc., etc. Those things can be beautiful, but listen, at the very core, God would rather have you know Him by the Spirit. He would rather have you discern Him. Than for you to know him intellectually. He would rather have you interact with him within the arena of faith. Within the arena of faith. I'm trying to make you see how that all that, you know, I'm trying to bring you to the point where you, you come to the realization that if there is anything I want to do through God, if there's anything I'm going to do via God, it is going to be through faith. You know, I want you to stop thinking through those things that God has said you will do. That's what I'm trying to do here, basically. I'm trying to break down all those. You know, all those structures you've erected in your mind. You know, those possibilities. So God has said, I'm going to do this. And this is not to take away the place of planning. You know, this is going to take away the place of, you know, um, of, of, of reasoning, etc., etc. But this is to make you see that, listen, if the Spirit of God has said it, the Spirit of God is going to make it come to pass. And it is only going to happen by the arena of faith, nothing else. That's what I'm trying to do to you here, basically. I'm trying to make you bring down those structures where you begin to see possible capabilities in yourself. You know, begin to see how, you know, dexterous you are intellectually in bringing some of those things to come to pass. No! If it is via the Spirit of God, if it is from God Himself, it will only happen through God. And how? Within the arena of faith. Within the arena of faith. You know, one of the greatest things, one of the most interesting things you'll find through Scripture, you know, Jesus is ascending to heaven and then He's speaking to His disciples in Matthew 28. From verse 18, he says, All power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. He says, Go ye therefore, you know, 
and teach all nations or make disciples of all nations. Since baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. It is he that believes, uh, uh, okay, but in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. He now says that teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, this is confusing. Jesus, you are about ascending. How are you that is about ascending now tell me that you are with us always? Even on to the end of the age. It doesn't make any sense, Jesus. You are leaving us. Jesus, it sounds like you, you know, this is your bad thing where you know someone is going and say, I'm coming. Oh God. No, you are going, sir. You're not coming. You are going. But this is basically what it seems, it seems like here. Now, this would make sense because just a few chapters before, if you remember John 14, as I've always, always explained to you guys, John has already let them see that he's going, is him coming to dwell in the heart of the believer. So he's going away with him be with him. Be going to be to be seated at the right hand of the Father, such that it could shed forth the Spirit into their hearts. And by the Spirit of God dwelling in their hearts, it was proof that Jesus was alive and with them. That was it, basically. So that was what Jesus was trying to say there. But you need to realize that Jesus was going away, and the only surety they would have that Jesus would be dwelling in them afterwards was those words they had spoken. And so they would have to believe it by faith. And look at what Jesus said of people around them in John 14 and verse 17. Go there. John 14 and verse 17. John chapter 14 and verse 17. John 14 and verse 17. He says, Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, he says, because it neither seeth him, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. He says, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, in other words, the world cannot receive him because they do not see him nor know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Why do you know him? You know him because of one, he dwells with you. He, dwell, he, he, he dwells with you. But more so, you know him because he's going to be in you. So he's being in you, he's as much knowing as you need. The world cannot know him because they do not see him, right? Neither do they know him, right? But you, even though you don't see him anymore. You know, you know him. Why? Because it dwells in you. You need to understand. What I'm trying to let you see is that intellectually, your faith is crazy. Intellectually, eh, salvation is stupid. You need to understand. Intellectually, it doesn't make any sense. This is the reason why, see, at the end of the day, arguments or theological arguments or apologetics eh, can only, as I said before, can only bring you to the door. Yes, you can, through arguments and apologetics, and etc., make an atheist think that there is a God. But listen, at the end of the day, what will make them believe is faith? <laughs> you can use all the arguments ever, you know, to make them see that see, there is a God. But when it gets to the point where they have to come to, you know, terms with a transaction with God, where they have to do something involving God with them, it has to be within the arena of faith. Any man that is too wise to have faith, like he's too wise for faith, forget it, he can't do anything. You have to come to the point of stupidity where Nothing in the natural looks like it, and then you agree. That's how God has decided that faith will work. You know, where God has chosen that the foolish things of this world will confirm the wise, and the great things of this world will confirm, you know, it will confirm those that are mighty. That is how God has decided that things will be. That it won't matter what it looks like in the natural. Within the arena of faith is how you interact with things. Simply, that's how God has chosen. That's how God has proposed it, and you must agree as such. And so, you know, Jesus tells you that see, the world will not be able to receive. Because it's easy, because they do not see him and they do not know him. Interestingly, not you and the world have the same excuse, yet it will produce two different effects. So, first, that one by is saying that you do not see, yet you rejoice. 
we draw everlasting field of glory. The same world, in the same condition, they also don't see. But what happens to them, they cannot receive it because of that. So you need to understand that the same encounter can produce two different results in a man, just as a reason of faith. So the difference between you know the results that we produce in two men won't necessarily be the issue or the situation. No, no, no. It would be from what arena they approach. One man is approaching this thing from the arena of intellectualism. This man is not around. He's not here. Therefore, he's not alive. He's not with us. Another man from the arena of faith is not here, but he has said it. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's in me forever. The arena of faith makes a difference. Simple. The arena of faith makes a difference. So there is nothing that the believer is ever going to do involving God that will be outside the arena of faith. And so, not just does not just does Jesus now tell you, you know, Jesus doesn't just tell you now that he's going to be with you forever. Jesus now begins to expect you to do things. Now, it is enough that you have made us look like crazy people, enough for you to tell us that you are with us forever and we believe. The problem now comes when you now tell us that having believed, we should now do things as a reason of that. Now, that's madness. If all we have to do was to keep it to ourselves, there's no problem. There's no issue at all. We should start believe that. You know, you live in us, right? No, Allah. We don't have issues with it. We are okay with that. But when you now get to the point where you now expect you need to carry out activity as a reason of we believing in you, ah, that's madness. Now, don't forget what I said before about Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is both the confidence and the expression. In other words, if there is faith, expression will follow. Because the expression in itself is faith. That's, that's what Jesus was doing here. So Jesus is done telling them, you know, um, um, going to the gospel, preach what every preacher, either believe that the shall be saved, etc., etc. He now says, this sign will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. So I'm seeing somebody doing anyhow, acting crazy. I do not believe, or I do not agree that the reason he's acting crazy is because there's a screw in his brain that, you know, that has been unvoted. Instead, I come to the point where I conclude that it is a demon screw that's causing it, that is making him do the things he does. And then I speak forth, even to realize, I speak forth into that person, and then a demon spirit leaves. You need to realize, throughout this entire scenario, a man speaking from intellectual means will never understand at all. If, there are some, if, if you know about you know, exorcism in that sense, you will realize that sometimes it's not even dramatic. You can literally capture a demon from a person when they are sleeping. They will just come, some demon, they will just come out. If some other demon that will shout, you will just come out and leave. There are some places where you step into the demons are living. They are going up. There are some places where you are teaching, the demon is living. So it is still within the arena of faith. So do not expect, expect you not just to believe, but for you to not begin to carry out activities based on what you have believed. So now you are now doing things towards people as a function of what you have believed, which naturally does not make sense. So it tells you that this science shall follow them that believe. It says you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, naturally, naturally, how does me putting my hands on the person? Makes sense when you seek. It's madness. So you, I just put my hands on someone that I see, and then all of a sudden I expect the person to be fine. That's being crazy. That's being mad. But within the arena of faith is all that is needed for you. <laughs> so Jesus is telling you this. He tells you this. All you have to do to get someone sick. Not that he didn't even say that these signs of. He didn't say that they will pray for the sick and they will be healed. He says lay hands. So literally, once my hands are in contact with you. And this is why you need to pay attention. In fact, the one lay hand there, that you need to pay attention, it actually does not matter so much that it is hand. It actually is more of a contact. That's the reason why people could hear handkerchiefs out of the apron of Paul and with it get people healed. That was the whole idea. So, by via contact with me, 
as a region of something within, as a region of a concept I've chosen to believe and agree with for myself, there will be external expressions that will validate it. You need to understand. These things are not ordinary. Only possible via faith. Only possible via faith. Only possible. Look at Romans 11, number 6. Time is going slow. I'll just try to round up now. We'll continue. We'll continue next week. See, I want to advise you. Don't this three-part series. Don't miss anyone. Please. I can I can beg you if need be. Don't miss anyone. It's gonna change your life forever. You know, tomorrow um, next week I'm, I'm going to teach on audacity of faith part two, and then the week following I'm going to teach on the tenacity of faith. See, for some of you, yeah, people will know that something has changed. You you would have this bulldog mindset and mentality to things happening. It will be such that people will ask you, can't you see that everything happening around totally contradicts what you are seeing? And you say, yes, I can see, but you are not seeing what I'm seeing. You know, <laughs> you know when Elisha, when he was when the, the the army came to pick him up, you know, so the servant is scared, runs to meet him. He has something to tell him. Then he comes to meet him and tells him something. He says, ah, you know, he says my father, the chariots, you know, the army they are here to pack up, you know. And so Elisha, the problem is this: eh? the guy was saying something and he was correct. He was speaking to him based on what he saw. But the problem was this. Elisha was saying something else. So the issue wasn't that the boy was wrong. It's not his fault. He wasn't just seeing what Elisha was saying. So Elisha knew, oh, this is the issue. The reason you are the reason you are where you are is because you are seeing what I'm not seeing. All I need to do to you is this. I need to make you see what I'm saying. Listen, what makes you fearful? Eh? The problem with your fear is that you are looking at something else. You are looking at the wrong thing. The issue, see, you need to get the point. The issue is not that your fear is not valid. It's totally understandable. But the reason your fear is valid is because you are looking at what you're supposed to be looking at. That's the problem. It's not interesting that some people see a particular situation and one person is seeing problems, the other person is seeing opportunity. It's very possible. Even in the natural, it's very possible. Such that, you know, two people are seeing um, maybe maybe a particular government policy was made. Now, one person is looking at it, is looking at that government policy and he says, ah, they bankrupted businesses. Ah, even my business said they bankrupted it. How am I going to make it happen? Another person is looking at that same situation and he's saying, ah, or more, see opportunity for money. See opportunity. The issue is not the situation. The issue is what are they looking at? It's that simple. So, so the, 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 the someone comes to meet Elisha, you know, and he's trembling. Ah, they've come to, you know, they've come to pick up, et cetera, et cetera. How did Elisha rebook the fear? Elisha didn't say, don't be scared anymore, darling. You know, why are you so fearful? No, that's not the point. Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. The moment that one saw, oh, it was clear. <laughs> he says, you know, at that point, he realized, ah, there are more than with us than those that are against us. It was very clear. He saw tired of fire out of Very simple. So the issue, oftentimes, is that you are looking at the wrong thing. The issue is not, see, your fear is valid. I get it. So you saw a vision that God told you, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. I say, ah, oh my God. Ah, how is this thing going to be? That's the problem. The problem is that you are looking at the wrong thing. You need to shift your eyes from the things you are told, you've been told you are going to do, and shift it to the person that is telling you you are going to do those things. If you can shift it, you're okay. So the problem is what you are looking at. You are looking at those mountains. That's the issue. That's the problem itself. You are looking at those, don't look at those things. First of all, acknowledge that it is within the arena of faith. And via faith, now look unto God. That is the only way. That's the only possible way you can see those things come to pass. Is that simple? 
Very simple. So look at um, Romans 11 and verse 6. Rounding up now. Romans 11 and verse 6. You know, this is something that primarily, you know, in this in the context, primarily refers to salvation. But it also has a lot to do with the thing we are saying, with what we are saying today. Romans 11 and verse 6. It says, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And he says, and but if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, in the context of this place, what he's particularly trying to say is this. Salvation, if salvation is by grace, then it is not 95% grace, 5% works. It is totally grace. If salvation is by grace, it is completely grace. And if salvation is by works, it is completely works. Otherwise, works is no more works. So if salvation is by grace, then it is totally, irrevocably, completely to the end by grace. Otherwise, if there is a little bit of work attached to it, then it is no more grace. It is totally by grace. Bible says in the beginning of the song, it says, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of your works, it's the gift of God. So if it is by grace, then it is by faith. If it is by grace, it is by faith. And so if salvation is by faith, it is 100% by faith. 100% by faith. So this is the point. Any interaction that a man is going to have with God, if the interaction has to happen by faith, it can never happen by 95% faith and 5% works. 5% works in this uh, sense would mean you relying a little on your capability to make it happen. Ah, oh Jesus. See, this explains the reason why it seems as though men who were not qualified were the ones that did it the most easily. Because you see, when you are not qualified for something, you have a particular sense of reverence. You know that you couldn't have done it by yourself. But you see, when there is a point, when you have within your mind a possibility that I can achieve some of this by my ability. Eh? Then it makes that is your stumbling block. That's your problem. You know, Israel's stumbling block was that they believed that salvation could come by the law. The reason it was easier for the Gentiles to receive was because already they knew they were saved. They didn't see any other easy way out. They didn't think, ah, there's anything we can do that can help us with salvation. The problem with the Jews was that they believed that ah, we have the Lord at least. You know, we have the Lord. The Lord can bring us to the point of salvation. The Lord can bring us to the point where we, we will be perfect, you know, in the things we do. That was their problem, and that was their stumbling block. And if that was the context of Romans chapter 11, that listen, if it is of grace, then it is no more of work, or, otherwise grace is no longer grace. Now, bringing to the context of the things that God will have you do, if for any split second, you begin to, you know, think, expect that, ah, via some of the connections I have and the people I know, etc., etc., it will make the work easier, or it will make me, um, you know, be able to do the things that God has, Told me to do that's your stumbling block. A man of the spirit or someone that has had experience with work of ministry will know this. Listen, oftentimes the people you rely on in the work of ministry are the ones that will be fact, They are the first set of persons there that would actually disappoint you. If you've been doing ministry for a while now, you know. In fact, I've already learned to stop putting my trust in people because it almost seems like you want to put your trust in them. God will use it to show you that I will show you that I'm supposed to rely on you. That's almost what it looks like in the work of ministry. So the point of it is this if it is by grace. And it is by faith, it cannot be of works. It's that simple. It's that simple. If it is by grace, so by faith, so that is the only arena through which God would have you interact with him. Through which God would have you do transactions with him in the arena of faith. 
forget works. So remove all those pillars of intellectuality that are in your mind. Ah, um, I'll be able to reach a lot of people because oh, boy, I did preach too now. Oh, the truth, you preach well. Nobody's arguing with you. But listen to me. The reason your voice will be heard across millions and billions is because God has ordained it so. Are you with me? So why it is good that you can preach, it's good that you can teach, etc., etc. Listen, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It will get to the point, ah, a simple question you ask yourself. How many laws of power did Joseph have Baba Lodami? Kenneth Egi was camera shy. Kenneth Ewi Egi was camera shy. You need to understand, it's really not a matter of the things you can do yourself. The men that will do the most for God are men that have agreed that listen, it is a treasure in this industry. That the excellency of power will be of God and not of us. They've come to the point of total reliance that listen, there is absolutely nothing in me that has the capacity to bring up to 1% of God's plan to come to pass in my life. Everything that will bring it to pass is via God and God Himself. And those things can only be brought into fruition via the activity of faith within the arena of faith. That's the only possibility. Those are the only men that are likely. No, what I say likely? Those are the only men that will actually cause things to happen. Those are the only men. So, man of God, what are you looking at? As I round up now, that's my question to you. Man of God, what are you looking at? What is your capability to do the things that God has told you to do? What is your capability? What are you looking at? Are you, are you, are you having a 90% faith, 10% work? Well, this thing, even though it's so mighty, the things that God has told you, even though it's so huge, well, I actually have, I know this person I can talk to, I know this so, so, so person I can talk to who can make the work a lot easier. Man of God, see, it is good to plan, but listen to what the Spirit of God says. It says, not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit says a lot of us. The word power and might there in the Hebrew was actually a word that was used to be passed, not by scheming, not by plotting, but by the Spirit says a lot of us. So it's good. Planning is not bad, don't get me wrong. But the point is this, rely on the Spirit. Let those plans proceed from the Spirit. You will know the people to talk to. The reason you've not started is because you thought what you needed to start were those people you needed to talk to. Ah, I have enough experience to tell you about it. That you, you, you know, God tells you something and then you look around and say, ah, these people are the ones that they can do it. Then you can't talk to them. Ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you will suffer big time. Why not start in the Spirit? Start there. You got the plan by the Spirit. The plan will finish it. It's not that you started it in the Spirit. It was via the Spirit. It was in an Holy Ghost meeting that you got directions to start. How about you get the directions to continue via the Spirit? It's that simple. It's that simple. We did the arena of faith. It's not causing God to limbe. God has told you to do it. No, voila. All the resources you need are in the Spirit. Stay there. Stay there. That's your, that is your faith. Stay there. Because you see, you need to listen. You need to get this. There is nothing that God can do through you. Nothing that God would have you do that you'll be able to do by yourself. Because if you can, it is no longer faith. It is no longer faith. The point of faith is this. Even if you did the same thing, okay, the same thing that you would do in faith and you would achieve a particular result, if you do outside faith, you cannot even achieve a result closely. It will lead in another direction. Simple. Is that simple? It's not... The same thing, you will do the same thing. So in faith, you lay hands on the sick, right? And then they recover. But then, outside of faith, you lay hands on the sick person, and if possible, you contact the illness. Is that simple? So the issue, is, and this is what you need to understand, this is where intellectuality cannot, because the whole idea of science is this. 
The way science works is this. A theory is that whatever you do, wherever you do it, leads to the same result. That's science. But faith is this. Faith is you do it, faith brings upon it, and then it produces a result. Another person can do the same thing. But if it is not via the spirit of God by faith, it will lead to a totally different result. This is the reason why you work on ministry, you can't copy a man. <laughs> you cannot copy a man because, listen, it was by faith. It was by faith. It was a brooding upon by the spirit of God. And that is why the thing worked for him. So, because it worked for him, you see, you now begin to try out the same thing. Ah, Wate, it's that simple. Wate, just stay where you are and receive by the spirit within the arena of faith. What I'm trying to make you see is to make you see this. Everything that God has told you to do, you would only be able to accomplish via faith. Via faith. Via faith. I end with this portion of scripture, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel chapter 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 37. And you see, this here is an encounter that every, every minister of the gospel is going to have at some point in their life. Every minister of the gospel. Ezekiel 37. We start from. Uh, I'll start from verse 2. He says, And cause me to pass by them. He says, And round, by, pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. Okay, let me start with this one. Sorry. The arm of the Lord was upon me and carried me out to the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were, many, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. I said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Ah. Ah, he said, Son of man, can this bones live? Ah, you see, the question here, you need to understand. There are times when you need to ask yourself some basic questions. Did God ask this question because God did not know? That was not the point. The point was an inquiry into the heart of the man. God did not, this is a God of all possibilities. So, if asking you, can these bones live, is not because he's asking you, you know, it's not because he doesn't know whether they can live or not. He wants to know what is your perspective towards this. So, he asks, and listen, as a minister of the gospel, this is going to happen, you know, so God gives you a plan. Eh? And then he looks at, okay, let's see what you're going to do next. The point is this, what is it? And so, he says, son of man, can these bones live? You know, and so, you know, maybe a scientist would have said, well, you know, there, there are no tendons or muscles or skin around here. However, if we could, you know, come around, you know, finding how to, etc., etc., you know, look at what Ezekiel said. Ezekiel said, when he said, son of man, can this boy be? He says, I answered, oh Lord God, thou know it. Now you, sabi, now you know. You know, see, if the assignment has not brought you to a place of total reliance where you, you have agreed, that if God does not do it, there's no way it can come to pass. You've not gotten it yet. If a part of you still believes that there is a possibility somewhere that if by the Spirit it doesn't happen, I can make it happen by myself. Ah, you've not gotten the idea. It's one of two things. Is either you don't understand the gravity of the assignment, eh, or you're not ready. When you are truly ready, you will realize this. The only way it can come to pass is by the Spirit. That's the only way. It is by the power of God. And so, you see, and, and also, you know, Ezekiel, Ezekiel says, Oh Lord, thou knowest. And what happens next? He says, God, you know. But what does God do next? He says, Son of man, prophesy. Ay, ay, ay. 
So listen, the point at the end of the day was it was still Ezekiel that was going to do something. All that was needed was for him to show reliance on the Spirit of God. The issue there was not was Ezekiel able to do or not. Ezekiel could do. That's not the problem. The problem is this. The issue is this. What is your reliance as you do? So at the end of the day, it was still going to end up on something. Son of man prophesied. That was the whole point. Do you understand me? Son of man, at the end of the day, it's all like that son of man prophesied. But what would be your reliance as you do what you do? Listen, if it was not by the Spirit, he would have spoken to bones and nothing would have happened to the people. But because now it was an enablement by the Spirit, via the arena of faith, what happened? A different result came up. That's the reason why if you are not prophet and you go there and say because Elijah, because Ezekiel prophesied to drive bones, and if you come alive, and if you get there and you do the same thing, nothing is going to happen. The bones will remain there. They will eat and you continue there. If you keep talking, you stay there for years, you will become a dry bone. That's it. That's it. But the reason a result could proceed forth that was via the Spirit of God is because it was via the arena of faith. Simple. Via the arena of faith. So you need to get to that point. What I'm trying to do to you today is this. Listen, we are on a course to cover the earth with the gospel. But listen, if we are going to see this thing come to pass, we are going to have to first see our inability to make it happen by ourselves. That's the whole point of what I'm trying to say. That's the whole point. That's the whole conclusion of my teaching today. I'm sorry that time is long gone, but I have to finish it. I have to finish this part today, right? We'll continue next week. Listen, if we are going to cover the earth with the gospel, we need to first come to the point where we realize this. Listen, intellectually, we are too late. Let's be very clear. Intellectually, eh, it will not make any sense that 11 people will cover the world. It does not make any sense at all, intellectually. But listen, by the Spirit of God, we are more than enough. That's the whole idea. By the, I'm trying to make you see a total reliance on the Spirit of God. And listen, if those, are, if those things that God has told us to do, if we are going to make it actually happen and bring it to pass, listen, it's going to be within the arena of faith. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of us. See, it won't be by asking As much as planning is good, as much as, you know, setting up this one, setting up that one is good, etc., etc., we will must come to the point where if we will see those things that God has told us, if we will see those things happen, we will stand in a place of faith and from it, we will make those things happen. And you know what faith is going to cost, is going to do to you? Faith is going to push you to the place of prayer because you will realize that the only way these things can happen on the earth is that I come into union with an agreement with the plans and purpose of God for the now. That's the only way. It will bring you to a total place of reliance, helplessness, where you will become so light following the wings of the Spirit. That's the only way. Only way. Only way. If it is possible in your mind that you can bring those plans and purposes of God to come to pass through yourself, listen to me. You've not come to get it. You don't understand the gravity of the assignment. You don't. If it is by faith, it is not a works. If it is by faith, if it is by grace, it is not a works. You cannot do it in yourself. That's the whole idea of it. You know, next week, I'm going to teach on, I'm going to finalize on this series on the audacity of faith. You know, one thing I'm going to make you see is this. Listen, God does things on his level. He makes you dream on his level. That's what will make you become helpless. Like when he tells you to do something, I say, ah, God, you know, you know, just like Jeremiah, it brings you to that point. And then he tells you so, so, and so, and so, and these are the things that you do. And like Jeremiah, you say, ha, Lord, I cannot do these things. I'm only young. Eh, eh, you got it. If God tells you I am not scared, uh, you've not been understood. But when you get it, you'll first be scared. 
The first question you must ask is how can this thing be made? You don't understand the gravity of your time. That's it. That's the point. You know, we pick up from there next week. For the next couple of minutes, I just want us to pray. We're not going to pray in some short here. What you are doing to yourself is this. You want to make yourself become totally reliant on the Spirit of God. For some of you here, I know some of the things that God has said. You know, some of you have you know, confided in me, told, you, told me some things, etc., etc., etc. And you know, when I hear some of those things, I just laugh. Some of you don't even have a total understanding of the things that God would have you do. You are not, you don't really get it. If you get it, eh, you will shake. You will tremble, first of all. Okay. Now, you will now learn to rely on the Spirit of God to make those things come to pass because intellectually it is impossible. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray. And I want you to put your heart into it as you pray. Pray with every sense of poverty within you. Just a Peladina Macabro de Vulugo Bulugo Tevenica Pelegano, Erista, Vandico, Prevelia, Stagabe, Latino, Prongosis, Opinia, Zuno, Panadego, Stagali, Menteresta, Venega, 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 Manteria, Sabino, Prevedevio, Stagali, Prodiga, Prodosis, Ubilia, Tadasta, Rataba, Shantalia, in the name of Jesus, Father, I bring myself to the arena of faith and display total reliability on your spirit and on your counsel, on what you have said you are going to do. I choose to agree that there is nothing in myself I can do. I choose to rely solely on your power. In the name of Jesus, Mantoria Savanatigo Basta, Rusta Penedigo Pladito Palandia Sagavis. I choose to lay down my plans, my personal ambitions, those intellectual conversations about around the things that you have said I'm going to do. I choose to lay those things down and I choose to run by your spirit, by your spirit and by your spirit alone, by grace through faith alone. Manda Kriashka Venekutalia Tabragada Manavaleta, Mentor Ratizo Panamandia Spekilo Fragadelia Tabande Fradigo Panosha. Mm, 